and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. We've been waiting for you. We pray this message inspires, encourages, and blesses you. Thanks for listening. And so today, let's get into this scripture, into this message today. It's so good. And then we're going to conclude the service with some more worship, which is sensational. Romans 12, 1. One of my life scriptures, actually, this morning. Here it is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. Today we are beginning a new series. And I'm beginning with this message today. The title of this message and this series is called My Life, His Worship. Can you, can you all say that back to me? My Life, His Worship. You see, we think of worship, haven't we been led beautifully this morning with with the team, beautifully? You you know, sometimes when we think of worship straight away, you think, well, that's that 20 minutes, 30 minutes of worship with the music team. Um, And then, you know, they just get us to warm up and get the sleep out of our eyes so we get to the main main course. You know, um, it's not meant to be like that, by the way, that from the moment we begin, it's the main course. We're touching Jesus. And... The significant thing is, is if that we see that half an hour of worship on a Sunday um, as our entire worship for the week, we actually miss something of what God is trying to do in our lives. You see, see, there's 30 minutes out of 10,080 minutes in a week. <laughs> so that's a real small portion of our lives. If the only part of our week The half an hour, 20 minutes of worship on a Sunday is the only part of our worship. Well, it's actually a really small part of our worship week. In fact, it's less than a day in the year of worship. (laughs) It's less than a day in the year of worship, if that's all there is, a half an hour um, a week. Now, Jesus quantified what a true follower of God looks like when he said, you know, this is how I quantify true worship, but that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your strength and you love your neighbour as yourself, you see. And, and so he was saying something and it's very relevant for us as worshippers because worship really is in simplest form is expressing our love to God. And so you see, even just by doing a little bit of an equation, if God's saying, this is how I quantify a true follower of God, by loving the Lord with all your heart, soul and strength. And then we're saying that worship is actually expressing that love. And therefore, if our worship is only half an hour of the week, friend, we may, I'll put my hand up, we may actually be missing something of what God has intended for our worship to become like. You see, it shows us two things. First of all, the importance of the 30 minutes on a Sunday. That we have this small window of us together when we worship and get to encounter God in such a significant way. And I'll I'll touch on that again a little bit later. But also, it it speaks about the importance of the 10,050 minutes 
um, from Monday to Saturday, the rest of the week, how important that is to our world and to our worship. So we're going to pull this um, scripture apart a a little bit this morning and we're going to discover, I pray that you would discover new colours of worship to God this morning, where our worship originates, how it impacts all our lives and decisions and understand its transforming power in our lives. So, So let's go back to this scripture. First of all, it begins with the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, Therefore, brothers and sisters, I, I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. That's the first phrase I want to just focus on for a moment. God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. You see, God's mercy is the window by which we are to view all perspectives of our worship. It's the mercy of God. In fact, this is Romans 12 that I'm reading from, written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans in, in particular, uh, chapters 9 to 11 of the book of Romans, the key word that stands out in those chapters is the mercy of God. It, it, you know, he expands on it. Romans 9:16, he says this, "It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy." Romans 9:23, "What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory?" Romans 11:30, "Just as you who at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience." And then he gets to Romans 12.1 and he says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy is the window that we view all our worship is God's mercy, you see. Our worship is in response to God's goodness, not in response to feelings. Feelings, nothing more than... Oh, come on, you're slow this morning. Even Rick Morris was slow this morning. He's still waking up. It's not in response to situations or circumstances or even the wonder of a musical team. It's actually in response to the wonder of the mercy of God. That's why in every situation, friend, you can praise Jesus. You can worship Jesus. Why? It's not dependent on what is going on around. It's in view of His mercy. (laughs) Ask me what I'll be doing in 30 years' time. I'll be worshipping Jesus. Why? Because of His mercy and His grace. Uh, Let's keep on going because you're warming up a little bit. In in the Scripture as we pull it apart, the the second thing that I just want to pull out of this Scripture is in view of God's mercy, but the Apostle Paul is saying, offer your bodies. Offer your bodies. This could be seen as quite odd. The context of this Scripture, by the way, is all worship. You, You got that, didn't you? In view of God's mercy to offer your Bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true, proper, acceptable act of worship. And he says, offer your bodies. Now, this is, would have been particularly mind-blowing for the people that Paul was writing to, who were the Romans. They were influenced by the philosophy of Plato, who said that basically bodies were evil and that the spirit was good. And so their thinking was in that same line that their body was evil and that the only good part of them was their spirit, the inner person. And so the Apostle Paul comes along and says, now I want you to worship God by offering your bodies to God. And so 
we do this too. We separate spiritual and secular activities, don't we? And so this is just mind-blowing for us. This is challenging for you and I. Even this morning, we could respond this morning. It's not necessarily wrong, but we could say things like, wow, that was great, or I enjoyed worship this morning. Uh, but the Apostle Paul is flipping on his head and he's saying, you know what, I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, your body, who you are, that there's no separation between spiritual and secular activities, but I want you to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. See, spiritual is only a word used by Paul in the New Testament. In his writings, it means animated by the Holy Spirit. So when we're talking about being spiritual, we're actually talking about being animated by the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you would have asked Jesus, Jesus, how's your spiritual life? He would have looked at you quite um, puzzled. He's like, you mean my life? Because there's no separation in the kingdom of heaven, in, in, in the Scriptures, theologically between... Now, you've gone really quiet because I'm messing with your head this morning and that's always good because pride goes from here to here. Uh, um, that there's no separation between spiritual things, spiritual activities and secular activities or worldly activities. What's why the Apostle Paul says to offer your bodies to God. In fact, the early church got this in Acts 17, 28, where it says, for in Him, speaking about God, in Him, in the Holy Spirit, in Him we live and move and have our being. So our entire being can become worship to God. Our entire life can become worship to God. It's saying, offer your bodies. Not just the 30 minutes of worship, but offer your bodies, offer your life to God as a living sacrifice. See, everything is spiritual to God. We can worship Him in everything. In fact, the, the, the writer of the paraphrased version of the message, Romans 12, 1, picks this up really powerfully. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday Ordinary life. Come on, somebody, help me out here. You're looking at me like deer in headlights, and a little bit like I'm talking about your ordinary life. Yes, I am. I'm talking about your Monday. I'm talking about you going to school. I'm talking about you going to work. Watch this. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping. It's pretty ordinary. You're eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering can see how this is challenging for us because it's just not talking about a moment in the week, but it's talking about our lives becoming worship to God. I've got some props here that will just challenge us and remind us of the beauty of our worship in all that we're doing, that we worship God through our posture and all that we do. Here we are for all the mums and dads that have young kids here. It's not mine, by the way. I don't have a problem, um, you know, as an adult. Um, I did borrow this. We're out of the nappy stage, which is really good. Not just us personally, but um, <laughs> our children as well. <laughs> You're bad. Um, and uh, it's a nappy. Uh, and so, you know, you, you actually might rank some of these things. Now, I've got a Bible in here because the Holy Scriptures are incredible. But, I, and look, 
I want to read, I want to be consumed by the Word of God. I want to read the Bible as much as possible. But do you know what? Maybe not in same importance, but you know, raising a child can be worship to Jesus. Oh, it's going really quiet. You say changing a dirty nappy, that's demonic. Well, <laughs> it's better changing a nappy than leaving it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Raising a child. Before you know it, you're actually worshipping God with the ordinary parts of your day. Before, here's a little step further. This is the only textbook in the house. You know they don't have school textbooks anymore. I just think, what are they teaching our kids nowadays? It's all online. Now, this is one of my textbooks, but just pretend it's for you students. It's one of your textbooks. Just pretend it's a maths textbook. It's actually a survey of the New Testament, but then it's a maths textbook. So do I, can I worship God when I'm studying, when I'm uh, you know, at school, when I'm doing my studies, when I'm um, learning, maybe in university? Can I worship? Absolutely you can. Because it's our everyday life, you see. And this is the importance of this message today that just takes our worship to new heights in God, that it's not just a moment in our week and that is beautiful and needs to be celebrated. And I'll touch on that in a little while, but it's our life now. The Apostle Paul is reminding us through his Scripture in the year 2022 that our life now is worship to God. And so whether it is a nappy when I'm raising children, or it's a textbook when I'm a student, that it can become worship to God. You know why this is so beautiful? It makes our whole ordinary life hypercolour. <laughs> because it's not just changing a nappy or raising a child or getting you know, an exam result, but now it's worship to God. I'm doing it unto God with a God-given purpose. I, I might need somebody. No, I can do it. I'll put the microphone down for a second. Here's another one for all you chippies or builders or... Just need to repair, repair this, the pulpit up here. That's all right. Oh, can I fit in it? Anyway. <laughs> Have they got a bigger belt size? And so can you worship God when you're on the building site? Because it's a real shame if we can't worship God in our everyday life because there's only a little snapshot of our life. It's one day in the year, remember, that we're worshipping God if it's just that half an hour. But can we worship God? And is it worship to God because I'm putting my nails in in a cross formation on all the houses? No. (laughs) It's worship unto God because I'm building great houses, that I'm treating people with dignity, that I have a worshipful posture in my heart that is not just for the person that's paying my bills, but it's unto Him, you see. See, this is the dimension of our life that takes on purpose, that you can be digging post holes and be full of the glory of God. Why? Because you're doing it for a higher boss. You're not doing it for the man. You're doing it for the man. (laughs) And so all of you today can be the most outstanding worship leaders in your workforce. (laughs) And you may not even have the brilliant angelic voice of Sarah. (laughs) I'm thankful for that, by the way. I do not mock that one minute in a moment. We'll come back to that. But your worship is so valuable to Jesus. Can I take this off? Because it'll get real awkward in a little while. And then the Scripture goes on. Are you with me today? The Scripture goes on to say, 
as a living sacrifice, is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this is priestly language that the Apostle Paul is using here. Uh, a living sacrifice. And the people that were hearing it, particularly from a Jewish background, understood this well. According to God's law, when sacrificing an animal, a priest would kill the animal and place it on the altar as an offering to God. Sacrifices were important to God and sacrifice were a critical part of worship. Paul was now instructing the church, you and I, to bring a sacrifice to God in worship, but it would be ourselves and it would not be a dead sacrifice. It would be a living sacrifice that now our worship is our life. That it's my life, but His worship. The significant thing, the probably the challenging thing is that it's a living sacrifice, meaning that the sacrifice gets on the altar and after a little while can get up and hop off the altar <laughs> and run away. That's why no one, no one can really truly ever force you to worship. Why? Because it's your decision out of your own will to say, I will be a living sacrifice, that my life will be worshipped to God. How I raise my kids will be worshipped to God. How, how, how I deal with this business in, in, in um, ethic, ethics and, and morality, how I live, how I worship God through my it will be worship unto God as a living sacrifice to God. God wants us to offer ourselves, not animals, as living sacrifices, daily laying ourselves aside for the Lord. See, worship is no longer about a place or performance, but rather about my heart posture and a practice, that we practice His presence. Here's a quick test if we're living for Jesus as a living sacrifice. Here's a quick test. There's no judgment in this. It's just quick test. Are you a follower of Christ that happens to be a and you feel in the rest, a student, a worker, a father, a builder. Are you a follower of Christ that happens to be a father? Or are you a father that happens to be a follower of Christ? Really simple adjustment in our thinking. That everything we do that sometimes forms our identity, maybe even being a teacher, there's many teachers in the place this morning. Are we a follower of Christ that happens to be a teacher or a teacher that happens to be a follower of Christ? It makes a massive difference how we view our worship on a daily basis under God. Quite often in Scripture, when the priest brought a sacrificial offering, back to the sacrifice now, quite often in Scripture, when the priest brought a sacrificial offering, the glory of the Lord would come down to earth. Now, this is just something so powerful here. The glory of God would come down to earth. We read it in 2 Chronicles 7, 1 to 3. When Solomon finished praying, so he's praying and he's in the temple, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled it. Now, all throughout Scripture, God's glory is about two things, all from God's presence and all from God's beauty. And so here we are, these 
Solomon's praying a prayer and the fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. But here's the point here. The same applies for us in the New Testament. When we live a life of sacrifice to God, when we give Him worship through our life, you can expect the glory of God to enter and to encounter your mundane, ordinary life. The glory of God is the presence of God. On the work site, yes, on the work site. In my schoolroom, yes, in the schoolroom. In my changing room where I'm changing the children, yes, absolutely, because it's about your posture to God, you see. In fact, we see this, the Apostle Paul picking on this, picking up on this again in 1 Corinthians 10.31. He says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See the Apostle Paul, he's saying, you know, even the simple stuff of eating and drinking, do it for the glory of God. That glory of God there, once again, is more profound than just fame or renown. It's all from His presence and all from His beauty that whatever we do, there's worship attached to it. Can you see how flipping exciting our lives can be when we're living for Jesus? That even the mundane things, oh, life is so boring. Those people on Instagram, they're living the dream. No, you're living the dream. You're living the dream. You're looking at their highlights, man, and comparing changing a nappy and you're saying, how woe is me, how boring is my life? No, your life is extraordinary because you can take the ordinary and make it glorious, you see. That is the power of a worshipful life. In fact, we've got to go a little bit further around the thought of work, not woke. That's another sermon for another day. Work. Because even I hear in the mouths of Christians nowadays talking about work as a curse. And I'm telling you, biblically, theologically, work is not a curse. It's to be a blessing. In fact, it starts right back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2.15. Remember the Garden of Eden? Eden means joy or pleasure. <laughs> How good is God? He's just so good. But even the garden He makes is called joy. How good is that, Dave? You got a joyful shirt on this morning. I love that. Watch this, right back at the beginning. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Joy. Now watch this. Because this is the next thing he says is work. <laughs> it's connected. He's in the garden of joy, garden of pleasure, to work it and take care of it. So, so work in the Hebrew, that word work we just read, in the Hebrew is the word abad. Abad in Hebrew sometimes is translated as service. Is also the same word used all over the Hebrew Bible for worship. So work and worship aren't two separate ideas. A Genesis-shaped worldview is that all of life is worship. That's why Kimberly can sit here on stage and run for a federal member and it be worship under God. That's why you doing ordinary things in your life, what you would call ordinary, going to work, going to school, going to university, and it can become worship to God, you see. It does not mean for, for, mean, for instance, uh, that everything we do is of equal importance. 
with everything else we may or may not do. Paul's sewing off tents was not equal to his writing of an epistle to the Romans, but both were accepted by God and both were true acts of worship. You say, well, you go back to the 30 minutes again. Is the 30 minutes on Sunday important then as part of our worship if it's my whole life? Yes, a thousand times yes, it is important. Have you ever had a carrot cake, you know, without the icing? I mean, I, I, I have, and, and it's just a whole lot of carrot. I mean, come on, somebody. I mean, carrot and, I mean, I love carrot cake, but really, you know, like, uh, and, and really, all week, let's look at this crude example for a moment. All week, we are make, making, we're baking uh, the, the cake of worship. <laughs> when we come together on Sunday, it is really about the cream cheese frosting. Come on, somebody, speak to me. When we get to celebrate Jesus together, when we get the worship team to lead us with their skills, to go deeper into the presence of God and to celebrate Him. So yes, it is important, a thousand times important, you see. In the 17th century, Ben, can you come? Not in the 17th century, but right now. <laughs> in the 17th century, Brother Lawrence, a humble cook in a French monastery, wrote a classic book, Practising the Presence, learning how to develop a constant conversation with God. Brother Lawrence was able to turn even the most commonplace menial material tasks like preparing meals and washing dishes into acts of praise and communion with God. The key to friendship with God, he said, is not changing what you do, but changing your attitude to what you do. What you normally do for yourself, you begin doing for God, whether it is eating, working, relaxing or taking out the trash. My life, His worship. If you're like me, you'd be saying, well, Jono, that's great. I want some really practical ways how to do this because... You've been stirring my heart through the Holy Spirit, but I want to know just some practical ways. Well, let me help you with that really quickly. Some practical ways of how our worlds can just step into a very worshipful place where in response to the Scripture, we're offering our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. The first thing here is offer your life to Him daily. Offer your life to Him daily. Here's a simple prayer. Jesus, today, receive all I do and all I say as worship to You. Amen. Straight away, you've put yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice, you say, God, just use me today. Just my life is worship to You today. Here's the second thing. Cultivate an awareness. See the word I use? Cultivate an awareness of God that is close to You. Consider His nearness throughout your day. He's in your schoolroom. He's on the work site. Just cultivate an awareness. God, you're here. Got an empty seat as you're driving to work. Just see Him sitting there, wanting response, wanting relationship. Allow interruptions is the third thought. Allow interruptions. Allow God just to interrupt your day. For those that work with me, they know that I have a reminder, an alarm clock that goes off at 12.30 every day in the middle of the day. What's it called? Thanks a clock. It just just interrupts me, sometimes at the most awkward moments. (laughs) And for me or whoever's with me, (laughs) 
it's pretty awkward sometimes when they're not Christian, but I just get us to say thanks to God, just to take a moment, just to interrupt my day. I did it when I was in hospital. I got the doctors to do it. Then <laughs> you remember when I was like, no, you got to give thanks. I don't care who you're giving thanks to. I'm giving thanks to Jesus because my Lord, but you got to give thanks for something. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Practice His presence. Practice His presence. Fill your home. Fill your car. Fill your, when you're at the gym with worship. You know why? Because it will fill your heart. Of all things that I think the enemy is going for in this latter part of the season, COVID and everything else is our hearts. And so we've got to fill our heart with pure water, the presence of Jesus. And you practice the presence. When you practice, remember what the old coaches would say, what you practice, you perfect. It's how you play. When you're practicing the presence, you can enter into places in God in a shorter time, in a beautiful moment that you're going into a board meeting and you've practised the presence and you're just saying, God, come with me. And you're carrying His presence. You're carrying His glory into that place. Here's the last thing, just practical thought. Apply breath prayers. Can I say that again? Apply breath prayers. What's breath prayers? You choose a brief sentence or a simple phrase that can be repeated to Jesus in one breath. You're with me. I receive your grace. I'm depending on you. I want to know you. I belong to you. Help me trust you. You also can use a short phrase of Scripture. For me to live is Christ. You'll never leave me. You are my God. See, worship is in response to His mercy. It's outworked in our lifestyle. It's a daily decision and has powerful results. You say, you haven't talked about powerful results. Well, this is where we wrap it up and I pray. I I think genuinely why God has instructed me as your pastor and us over the next few weeks to focus on worship and a lifestyle of worship that it's my life, but His worship it possibly comes out of the goodness of God knowing the seasons that we've stepped through. The seasons that you don't need to hear about again this morning, but you've walked them yourself. COVID floods, all yada, yada, yada. God is so kind because He knows that worship is a catalyst to bring you into something beautiful something fresh, something renewing, something reviving, something restoring, something healing, something beautiful. I touched on it before that there's the fullness of joy in His presence, the Word of God says. Uh, The Bible says that when we wait on the Lord, we will renew our strength. (laughs) I mean, the promises of His presence in the Scriptures is so profound. I'm just so aware that God wants to do just a beautiful, beautiful restorative work in your life, healing, healing in your body, healing in your emotions and healing in your spirit. And that's why I think even today, beginning this series, God is saying, come on, let there be a new season of worship to me. 
I asked the Lord not too long ago, possibly the end of last year, I said, God, how am I going to get through this? You can be honest with God, right? How am I going to get through this? He said, Jono, worship your way through this. And so this is what I'm saying to you, not only as an individual, but as a church. (laughs) How are we going to keep on walking? We're going to worship our way through this. (laughs) I'm not just talking to Pastor Amy this morning. We're going to worship our way through this. How are you going to step into a new anointing? How are you going to step into a new grace? How are you going to be refreshed? How are you going to be renewed in your spirit? You're going to worship your way through this, you see. You're going to worship your way through this. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Come on across this place. Right now, why don't you just begin to, why don't you just start by lifting your hands towards heaven and just surrender your heart and your life to Him once again. He's just kicking down the tables of religiosity this morning and He's bringing you into a new dimension of His presence and His goodness in all aspects of your life. A new joy is coming in the mundane, a new song for the what is seen as insignificant, but in just a new season of song. Jesus says, sing a new song unto the Lord. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Let there be something rising up in your spirit as you view God's mercy. Let your bodies be offered as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and acceptable act of worship. So Heavenly Father, just release something upon us today that goes beyond lyrics on a screen or melodies that are played, would You take our whole life again, Lord Jesus, as worship to You. From Excel documents to digging holes to doing exams, take it as worship. As we honour You in our lives, Lord Jesus, I pray that, Lord God, You do something so incredible, so fresh and renew every heart in this place this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Uh, Up on the screen now is just some really practical ways on how we can continue to press into all that God has for us. First of all, if you go to our website, there's a whole lot of resource there that the, the worship team have put together some playlists for this next turn that can just, you can just saturate yourself in the presence of God. Some playlists, all different. There's about six or seven different playlists the team has put together so that you can play during the week. You can just saturate yourself in God's presence. Also, I want to say this, that on, what's the date there? June the 5th, that's right. We have a worship and creative gathering in this place, both in the morning, it's a Sunday, and at evening, a worship gathering where we're just going to encounter God in just such a beautiful, fresh new way. Something we're doing through this next three or four weeks as well, we're opening the altar for a time of worship. And so even as they begin to sing now, you can come down the front and begin to worship because we're going to have a prolonged time of worship after we close the service. 
in just a moment. Have you got anything to say before we do that? That's good because we can just open up and, and go for it. So you can even begin, begin to come as they sing and just worship God. God's got something fresh and unique for you today in Jesus' Name. God bless you, friend. You're amazing. Why don't we worship under God? Lift our hands towards heaven right now. Garden is a life-giving church with a passionate commitment to help people grow in a loving relationship with Jesus, to gather in a faith-filled community, and to go and make a difference in our world. Find out more at gardenchurch.com. That's G-A-R-D-N church.com. Or on Instagram and Facebook at Garden Church. That's G-A-R-D-N Church.